0: Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And we're going to do kind of a year-end review kind of thing, and give out some brain damage awards, and maybe talk a little bit about what's coming up next year, politically and economically, etc. Obviously, this term, the fiscal cliff, is everyone's getting sick of it, most overused uh, term that's got to bite the dust there ain't no fiscal cliff i don't know exactly what's going to happen there's apparently some late breaking senate agreement but the problem as usual is john boehner right in the house he gets the brain damage award he seems to be uh, more interested in getting re-elected speaker of the house than uh, doing the right thing because it's up to the house of representatives to pass this bill it's article one section eight dude Read your constitution. Where are the teabaggers? Nowhere to be found. Well, they don't like to read much. Except in the back pocket of Grover Norquist, who will give that brain damage award out to. He continues to distort the history of Reaganomics. One of the better books I read this past year was the uh, Bruce Bartlett book about taxes and tax cuts and... Grover Norquist will talk endlessly about how marginal tax rates that were cut in 1981 under Ronald Reagan increased revenue. But the facts are, alas, there were 11 major tax increases during the Reagan years. They produced revenue of $132 billion, and they occurred uh, pretty much throughout the uh, Reagan presidency from 1982 until 1988. What sorts of increases were those? Because uh, typically, well, when we think of taxes, we think of income tax. Yeah, these, of course, were things like the Social Security Adjustment uh, Amendment in 1983. Uh, that was the Greenspan Commission. We had the Highway Revenue Act of 1982. Mm-hmm. That produced $5 billion in new taxes. We had the Deficit Reduction Act of 1984, $25 billion. So the point is, is that to counteract the decrease in government revenue during the 1980s from the so-called marginal tax cuts that were approved by virtually all of the members of the Republican Party, combined with conservative Democrats, uh, now pretty much an extinct breed of political species here in the United States. We're talking mainly about Southern Democrats. It was Congress's desire to basically rebalance the books. Mm. And we're getting a kind of a false sense of economics from the media's portrayal of this fiscal cliff. I say, let the fiscal cliff happen, and then Obama can veto any bill that he doesn't like. And all of this posturing and double speak and sticking to political talking points and the kind of nonsense that we're seeing going on in Washington is uh is 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 just classic uh uh political posturing that's uh very useless at the end of the day interesting to see the NRA come out with a arm the schools program
1: yeah i talked about that uh, a bit last week of course their answer is more
0: guns 98,000 schools in America, this will cost $4 billion a year. So uh, since the NRA has 4 million members, let them pay for the guns. I don't think this is a wise policy by any stretch of the imagination. But maybe if the NRA had to pony, each member had to pony up $1,000 to pay for that.
1: Or if these, uh, if these weapons uh, of mass destruction, which is what these kind of assault uh, weapons really are... Uh, can't be made illegal, well, then they should perhaps be very heavily taxed. Uh, The kind of weapons used in the uh, Connecticut school shooting are now no longer available simply because they've sold right off the shelves. They're sold out. They're going to keep making them, of course, uh, to satisfy that hot, sick, twisted uh, consumer demand. Uh, What kind of people feel strangely compelled to acquire such weapons in the wake of such a terrible thing?
0: And, of course, when you hear that there are more places to buy guns in America than there are Starbucks or McDonald's in the world, in other words, it's easier to get a gun than just about anything in this country, it's pretty scary. Walmart, by the way, number one seller of guns here in the United States. And uh, the costs of increased violence and crime are remarkable, Uh, The most recent Nation magazine, the January 7th, 14th edition, the Violence Policy Center, has estimated that since 2005, gun manufacturers have contributed up to $38.9 million to the NRA. Therein lies the problem. Uh, The gun manufacturers are creating a powerful lobby in uh, Washington that... uh, Too many congressmen are afraid to uh, confront, and we'll see if there's any modest reform in this area, but uh, the way Mitch McConnell operates with filibusters, I wouldn't count on it. Well, and the way things are going with the uh,
1: ongoing uh, fiscal cliff debate, uh, the Republicans are basically putting a gun in their own mouth uh, as far as the viable future of that political party is concerned. So perhaps... That kind of foolish gunplay, metaphorically speaking.
0: And, Uh, of course, a recent Harper's Index noted that in 1992, the percentage of Americans that believed that gun laws should be stricter was 78. Today, it is 43. So this uh, underscores the effectiveness of the lobbying and the endless propaganda on television, as well as uh, some, I think... Legitimate issues that might be uh, dealt with with the so-called Biden Commission regarding the uh, the promotion of violence on uh, in the media. Um, I think I once read that the average child will see uh, something like uh, ten to fifteen thousand murders on TV and movies, with gun violence uh, being uh, sort of as all-American as apple pie. And uh, I heard an outstanding analysis by a, uh, a lobbyist for the Violence Policy Center uh, talking about one of the most remarkable things is that the um, federal government is now not allowed to even keep statistics on gun violence. The Violence Policy Center has to use news reports and anecdotal evidence to compile the actual consequence of gun violence here in the United States. This was uh, known as the t heart Amendment that was a, a rider attached to a bill back in 2003. He being a Republican congressman from Kansas, uh, prohibited uh, entities like the Centers for Disease Control and uh, the NIH, in keeping track of actual data related to gun violence here in the United States in terms of the cost, the medical cost. Boy, the tobacco and the uh, alcohol manufacturers' lobbies must be sick with envy. And one of his best points was that the United States has spent $4 trillion since 2001 on the so-called War on Terror. Mm. They've taken the Fourth Amendment and the Fifth Amendment virtually shredded these uh, uh, Bill of Rights amendments. And uh, the only amendment that the NRA cares about in the Bill of Rights is the Second Amendment. And they are even willing to go so far as to suppress actual data that um, scholars and intellectuals and policymakers need to monitor the consequences of gun violence. That's scary. That's the kind of country we live in, and uh, it needs to change. I don't know if the heart-wrenching consequences of these spectacular mass shootings that have occurred this past year in mosques, shopping centers, and schools is uh, going to radically change things, but hopefully it will. And if it doesn't, it should. Uh, The BBC, shortly before I left for Christmas vacation, had an article about the orphans in Iraq. One million children in Iraq have lost one parent or two parents, and they live in these orphanages. These are children under the age of 12 that essentially don't have parents anymore because of the sectarian violence that was uh, unleashed following the worst decision in American history to invade Iraq. It's amazing that a lot of the people who willy-nilly supported that war are, are now so concerned about fiscal responsibility. Well, fiscal responsibility and guns. Yeah. They're, they're, they, they want more guns here in the United States and come up with harebrained ideas like arming guards in schools. Well, what's going to happen when that armed guard... <laughs> falls asleep and somebody grabs his gun what's going to happen when he gets shot uh these assault rifles have to go uh there's nothing in the second amendment that mentions guns there's nothing in the second amendment that mentions bullets Mm -hmm. or magazine clips so hopefully this will be the area of reform that we can get through congress but uh As the saying goes, I wouldn't bet the farm on it. It's scary. And uh, demonstrates why the United States has more gun-related violence. I think the numbers, you know, when you combine homicides with suicides and accidental killings, about 30,000 Americans die every year from gun violence. So contemplate that. 300,000 Americans have died from gun violence since... 9-11. 9-11. Terrorism? Yeah. Uh, that's, of course, a part of the Ministry of Fear that the Bush administration created following 9-11, and the cowardly inability of our Congress to stand up for anything resembling the Bill of Rights. Orange alert, anyone? Yeah. <laughs> duct tape? <laughs> duct tape, biscuit and plastic, not,
1: none of those will save you from the Gun bearers' rights. But you must
0: take your shoes off at the airport. Yeah.
1: Safety first.
0: Never know when the President of the United States is going to have a shoe thrown at him in uh, Iraq when he uh, (laughs) is engaged in a state visit. Well, and uh,
1: no need to linger over this because uh, things are still rather... Murky and changing rapidly, but uh, Syria's uh, rapid descent into total chaos is uh, more complete every day. Yeah, Uh, cluster bombing of uh, civilians by the government, uh, flood of weapons. Here's again weapons, Uh, sectarian violence, Sunni versus Shia beginning to emerge. Of course, the uh, Assad family are represent the Alawite community of Syria. Very complex. Uh, cultural uh, structure and strata over there, so uh, all bets are off for a uh, reasonable or peaceful solution in Syria anytime
0: soon as well. Yeah, and it's uh, amazing that, of course, the <clears throat> one of the stars of the uh, emerging stars, if we want to call him that, of the Republican Party is Lindsey Graham, and he, of course, along with John McCain and uh, Joe Lieberman, who uh, is not going to be in Congress much longer, we're advocating direct intervention in the Syrian war by Obama. He's resisted that, but of course we're arming, in collaboration with the Gulf states and Saudi Arabia, um, some of these rebels that are connected to al-Qaeda. This is just mind-bogglingly, Stupid and another example of how the United States can't keep these Middle East states straight in terms of uh, our, their actual threat uh, globally or in our interests. It's uh, remarkable stuff. But it will continue to deteriorate in Syria. But there's, uh, it's quite unclear to me what the rebels, uh, which is a sort of a hodgepodge of mm, groups. Very much so are ultimately going to end up with if they uh, finally overthrow the Assad regime, the Alawites, the Christians and Jews in Syria, uh, who heretofore have been uh, treated relatively well by the Assad police state. Of course, his father preceded uh, Bashir. But I don't remember this hue and cry for intervention in Syria happening back in 1982 when Ronald Reagan was president when uh, Hafez al-Assad massacred 10,000 people in Hama. So uh, there's some inconsistency there that's very troubling. And we've seen in the so-called Arab Spring that these countries are still in transition in terms of what the future is going to look like in these uh, countries in terms of pluralistic democracy. Uh, It doesn't look terribly promising in any of these countries. Tunisia might be the country and developed the best, but uh, I see Libya sort of uh, splitting in part, and Egypt, of course, has uh, their own uh, set of problems that are unique to that country. Um, interesting to note, by the way, just a couple of months ago, I've got a lot of short clippings here, but uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu has called for former George W. Bush and Prime Minister Tony Blair to face prosecution at the International Court for their role in the 2003 invasion.
1: Hear, hear. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <clears throat>
1: yep, the, the shoe thrown was uh, merely uh,
0: a commentary, not an official proceeding, <laughs> alas. And of course violence uh definitely uh has affected many parts of the world. Um interesting to note that the United Nations recently reported that upheavals and I'm quoting here from a AP uh short by Rick Gladstone upheavals and this is from 2011 that 800,000 people were forced to flee across borders in 2011 from violence in Ivory Coast, Libya, Somalia, and the Sudan. Uh, Needless to say, the Congo was kept out of that list. Um, The UN uh, High Commissioner for Refugees said 4.3 million people in all were uh, newly displaced last year. And of course, the refugee situation uh, in Syria uh, is uh, serious. Um, They're fleeing Syria into mainly uh, Turkey and Jordan. And, of course, the elite are moving to Lebanon. uh, Who would have thought that Lebanon would be a (laughs) safe haven in the Middle East? Right. And, of course, Jordan, uh, sort of a a quiet country
1: in the Middle East, is uh, increasingly, you know, minutely, step by step, destabilized by this wave. Of refugees, because of course Jordan saw heavy numbers of refugees from the Iraq invasion uh, as well. So, uh, a lot of problems in cleanup there. Uh, Berlusconi has amusingly enough uh, emerged from yet another political grave to announce his intention to run for (laughs) Prime Minister of Italy again. Oh no! It's like this guy is a combination between. uh, the uh, Ever Bunny, Jason from the slasher films, and some bizarre demented sex toy. Yeah. Because, of course, his ongoing sex scandals uh, are numerous and uh, amusing, uh, involving underage, you know, child prostitutes. And you'd think, well, surely this will finish the guy's career off. But uh, a recent divorce settlement with his wife of 30 years has resulted in her receiving a... 36 million uh, annual euros uh, payment. That's 100,000 euros a day that this woman receives. Sounds like she can finance Greece's uh, and Spain's debt. (laughs) Indeed. So (laughs) how Berlusconi can amass such a fortune, uh, retain it in the face of ongoing uh, charges of corruption, uh, racketeering, bizarre shenanigans of a personal nature? unbelievable. It uh, it really is almost cartoonish.
0: Well, and he's probably, at the end of the day, a role model for both uh, Rupert Murdoch and Donald Trump. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) They wish they were in his shoes. (laughs) That guy's
1: got it going on!
0: (laughs) Mogul... Media mogul with, uh, well, I, I don't know if they're two pays, but I, I think it's been established that he's had hair transplants. Well, his latest paramour is uh, 50 years
1: his junior and came to his attention uh, on a little dance she did on TV, doing a little number called We Miss You, Silvio, on his own television network, of course.
0: Sounds like reality, a reality television to me. <coughs> it's spreading everywhere utterly phony. No wonder the United States is indispensable (laughs) to the development of human civilization. Well, speaking of uh, sex uh, weirdness, (laughs) this segues quite nicely into one of my favorite uh, clippings that I read this past year about a man from Minnesota who robbed a woman of her keys and cell phone and then licked her toes. (laughs) He was sentenced to five years of probation in Minnesota. Carlton Jermaine Davis, this is a police speed item. I always love these. 26, approached a woman around 1 a.m. on September 9th of 2007 as she was leaving work and forced her to put her phone and purse inside a bag. And then he told her, now I'm going to suck your feet. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a Berlusconi <laughs> maneuver, if I've yeah, ever heard. Yeah, oh, he
1: he pays big money for that. <laughs>
0: well, this guy's getting five years probation. He's a, a, a rank amateur in Minnesota, Davis was arrested a few blocks uh, from the scene of the crime. Berlusconi uh, merely will <laughs> run for re-election yet again. Uh, yeah, he's uh, kind of a. A farce.
1: And <laughs> yeah, not even Shakespeare could invent a, a character that uh lecherous. Yeah,
0: I think he should come up with a screenplay and do a Hollywood movie. <laughs> the Adventures of Silvio <laughs> and his paramours. Well, one of the other great quotes from the year is courtesy of Clint Eastwood. I wanted to read this following a. Uh, <clears throat> is a interesting uh interview with the chair oh yes the republican convention that was one of the uh that was really the highlight of the republican convention what everyone will remember yeah eastwood on eastwood this is what he said if somebody's dumb enough to ask me to go to a political convention and say something they're gonna have to take what they get (laughs) that's what he said after the fact
1: yeah how that, long gives, it, that gives me new faith in the man. That's plain speaking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and actually, much of what he said was uh, could just as easily have been leveled at the Bush administration. The wars in Iraq and Afghanistan that he uh, complained about. Uh, of course, certainly. We've all been complaining about
0: those. And on to the debt... This is an appropriate letter to the editor written on August 3rd, 2011, right as the so-called sequestration debt ceiling negotiations were going on in Congress that's resulted in this so-called fiscal cliff deal, um, which I I still say that uh, Obama should let the fiscal slope happen and worry about the new Congress, because after all, there were 27 Republicans defeated one way or another in the Congress. So the upcoming Congress will be a little more uh, pro-Obama, so to speak. But David Serekin, uh, writing about the debt situation and the crisis and the f- battle that was going on in Washington back in August of 2011, noted that after World War II, the United States debt was even larger as a percentage of GDP than the debt we face today. It was repaid largely from revenue from income taxes, with individuals paying just a slightly larger share than corporations in 1940s. The changes in the tax codes, which I think tax reform has got to be one of the main focuses of the upcoming new Congress, uh, in subsequent decades dramatically shifted the balance so that individuals paid a much larger share of taxes while business contributions shrank. So that's at the heart of the revenue problem in Washington. And as for the idea that Reagan tax cuts created more revenue, Bruce Bartlett concludes, by any measure, total revenues fell from 19.6% of GDP in 1981 to 18.4% in 1989. This suggests that revenues were $66 billion lower in 1989 as a result of Reagan's policies put that in your pipe Grover and smoke it well, he does smoke a pipe <laughs> and you got to wonder what else
1: he's smoking in that pipe because uh, Reagan's record is you know it's right out there uh, he increased military spending he got us involved in all sorts of expensive and ridiculous and highly illegal shenanigans abroad um, we're still on that path and that's where a lot of your savings is to be found.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that the sequestration that would impose $110 billion of cuts, government cuts, half of that comes from defense spending. Yep. Social Security and Medicare are exempt. This is the deal that Congress made back in August of 2011 that they're now trying to undo, and they're doing it disingenuously with nonsensical ideas like increasing defense spending and um, retaining the tax cuts for the top 2%. Uh, one deficiency, I think, of the Obama presidency at times has been what I, uh, a characteristic that I call salesmanship. And it's important to realize that even the wealthy people get tax cuts on the first $250,000 that they earn. So the tax cuts actually apply to a hundred percent of the people involved, not this ninety-eight uh, percent distinction that they keep trying to make. It doesn't make any sense. Sell the program for what it is, and uh, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Uh, well, and ultimately, it's a failure of Congress, uh, not the
1: presidency. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for this uh, deficiency to be at this late stage. Uh, it's Congress's responsibility to uh, draft the budget, and their failure to do so uh, is no one, is nobody to be blamed but them.
0: And, of course, Mitch McConnell is back in the news. He's trying to concoct some sort of an agreement in the Senate over, quote, taxes but not spending. And I find that just somewhat strange because McConnell— is a very strange uh, political leader himself. It's important to remember that one of McConnell's most famous acts as a uh, minority leader, of course he famously said that uh, he would. Uh, um, <clears throat> his main job was to make sure that Obama failed, in the uh, review of the Thomas Mann, um, Norm Ornstein book, on Congress entitled, It's Even Worse Than It Looks, How the American Constitutional System Collided with the New Politics of Extremism, an outstanding book about the uh, 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 situation in Washington. Uh, McConnell, in in noting his remarkable um, disingenuousness, ended up filibustering his own bill. Once Obama came out in favor of it. Uh, So this shows where we're at. I don't know if McConnell can come up with a deal that's going to kick the can down the road. Another overused expression explaining the failures of Washington to stand up for anything resembling courage. I'd rent a copy of The Wizard of Oz (laughs) and uh, analyze the Burt Lahr character. (laughs) Courage. They need it. They need to go to the Wizard of Oz and get a certificate or something.
1: (laughs) Well, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor here on the last calendar day of 2012.
0: And, of course, quoting from the McConnell filibuster, it's interesting to note, the author of the review, I'll get to in a second, uh, he writes, McConnell and... Inarguably brilliant political tactician had missed this possibility, but once informed of the dangers, he executed a full flip-flop on the idea, which was the uh, Conrad, Jug, uh, Conrad Gregg Amendment um, in 2010 a perfect flip-flop on the idea, and stuck the landing perfectly. McConnell voted against the bill, as did seven Republicans, who were co-sponsors of the Conrad-Gregg Conrad uh, Conrad-Greg Amendment. But that alone wouldn't have been enough. So McConnell and seven Republican co-sponsors joined the filibuster against the Conrad-Gregg Amendment. In the end, the proposal had 53 votes, a majority but it fell short of the 60 required to defeat the filibuster. So that's another area of congressional uh, review that needs to be undertaken this upcoming session of Congress. Ezra Klein wrote those words, and Thomas Mann and uh, Norm Ornstein at a speech that I saw at the Michigan Union Ballroom noted that the 112th Congress is the worst in American history. And they're middle-of-the-road scholars. One works for the Brookings Institute, one for the American Enterprise Institute, and they are indeed experts on Congress and the shenanigans.